listening to Rising Above with Becky Davidson. Because God has been faithful through what I think were some of the harder times in his life, why would I expect that he wouldn't be just as faithful for the rest of his life? Welcome to Rising Above with Becky Davidson, where we hear from special needs families who rise above difficult circumstances and discover that joy can be found in every story. Thank you for joining us. Here's your host, Becky Davidson. Hey friends, I hope that you are having a wonderful summer and enjoying some sweet time with your family and friends. And, you know, we have had so much fun this summer with our book club, and we have one more book club meeting coming up in August, and we would love for you to join us. To learn more about the book we are reading for the month of August and to sign up, just see the link in the show notes. You know, it's been such a great way to connect with other special needs parents and read a good book all at the same time. So be sure to check out more information on that on the Rising Above website or Find the information in the show notes. Now, we're still in our summer series here at the podcast, and today I'm joined by my friends, Sandy Ramsey Travick and Susan Pace, and they are both moms to adults who have disabilities. And in today's episode, we discuss some of the topics that can keep parents like us up at night. You know, what happens when our kids grow into adults? What happens when they are no longer in school? And the biggie What happens when we get older? What does that look like? And who will care for our children if something happens to us? Sandy and Susan just shared some beautiful stories and insights in this episode. And we had such a great conversation about caring for our children as they grow into adulthood. Well, hello, Susan and Sandy. I am so glad that you guys are joining me today. I'm so glad to see you virtually. I wish we were in the same room together, but glad to see you virtually. And I'm so excited to have you here and for us to have this conversation about our kids because all three of us are moms to adult children who have disabilities. And so welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Yep, happy to be here, Becky, and it's so nice to meet you, Susan. Good to meet you. Well, Susan and I have been friends for a very long time. We have been on this journey together. I think, Susan, you and Kim Wise were two of the first moms that I met, and Kim was on the the show here recently, and you've been on, it's been been a while since you've been on, but you've been on guest before, and, you know, you and Kim and so many others who were a few steps ahead of me, have been such an encouragement to me um, on my journey and just such a help in different stages. And, you know, as John Alex has gotten older for me to be able to come and and get counsel and help. And it's just uh, so grateful for you and your friendship with us. You've been part of the Rising Above family since the very beginning when we very first started. And uh, just grateful to hear what you have to say. And Sandy, oh my goodness, Sandy is a fan favorite here on the podcast. You've been on several times and I know I can always come to you and we've got a topic that we like really want to dig into and I can go, Sandy is a great one to have to talk about this. And you lead one of our community groups for Rising Above and you're in my Wednesday community group. So you're one of my most favorites. And so I'm glad you're here too. Glad to be here again. Feels like home. Feels like home. Well, I wish you were across the table from me because that would be even better. But so, Sandy, just real quick, tell us a little bit about, I know you have an adult son with special needs. So tell a little bit about that part of your life um, and where you guys are right now uh, with Miles. So, excuse me, Miles is 24 years old um, and actually transitioned out of his our high school program, the one that um, went till he was 21 years old, right at the beginning of COVID. And so mm. while he was supposed to transition uh, directly to a day habilitation program, all the programs in our area were shut down. And so he transitioned to home and home day habilitation, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we spent a lot of time on uh, Zoom chats and stuff with the rest of the people that he was supposed to be in community with. And so I actually um, became certified to be a support professional under his employment to mm. care for him. And so I did the mm-hmm. teaching, I did all of the therapies and stuff. 
um, for a long time with him. Thankfully, the program mm-hmm. is now open. And so he, he goes there three days a week. Um, and then he's home here with a companion and with me two days a week. Uh, during the five day week, it's good. He's back in programs. That's a, that's a help. But he, I'm sure, he enjoys the socialization and being with other people, and that's a help to you as well. I'm sure. Well, that's why we have him there for the socialization part, and so mm-hmm. he can't tell me whether or not he enjoys it. Yeah. But I make that right. assumption. He does not object when I when he gets up in the morning and has to mm-hmm. go. Yeah. 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 Well, Susan, I've known your sweet Emily for a oh, goodness probably. Since she was, what, maybe six years old, seven years old, maybe? Maybe so, yes. Yeah, and she's how old now? And I know she is social butterfly, and she likes to go and do. So tell us a little bit about Emily. Emily is 31. Next month, she'll be 32. That's hard for me Mm -hmm. to believe. Um, She has Down syndrome. Um, She is, to me, just such a joy. she graduated from high school, completed high school when she was 19, I think it was. Um, went to t- Tennessee School for the Blind for two years and actually lived there in the dorm. Uh, came home on, on Friday afternoon and went back on Sunday. That was the most like independent period of her life. She loved every minute of it. Um, and it was, it was very beneficial to her. So we had that. Uh, she now is home which is where I hope that she will be with us forever uh, for the remainder of, of her life or my life. Um, and she stays busy. Mm-hmm. She um, has several things that she's able to do in the community kind of on a scheduled basis. Um, she has now a job at the Exceptional Bean, uh, which has been such a blessing for her. She works maybe two hours a week, and that's it, and that is plenty for her. Mm. She feels like she has a job, and she loves she that. Loves, yeah, And she's such a joy. She's just, you know, every time you see her, she'll come up, and she'll hug me, and she'll hug John Alex, and just has such a sweet, sweet heart. And, you know, we are in what I've heard people term endless summer because our kids are out of school. You know, it used to be when our kids were in school, you know, you'd have that big chunk of summer break come up. Um, and now, no, they're out all the time. There is no school that they're going to on a regular basis. But you've mentioned a little bit about some of the things and activities that they're involved in. You know, Emily working at the Exceptional Being. What else is Emily a part of, Susan? The funny thing to me is that I have worked for so many years and I retired in December. And my number one goal when I retired was I get to spend all this time with Emily that I never got to do before. And I had plans for us, places we were going to go, things we were going to do. She doesn't want to. Oh, Susan. She she loves the things she's been doing and she wants to continue doing those things. And I think that's normal. Um, but she's involved in a program on Tuesdays and Thursdays um, uh, through a program here in, in Cookville. And she gets to go out in the community with one other young man who has Down syndrome and then a helper. And they get to pick what they do. Uh, they go to the community center and do bingo. They lunch together. <clears throat> they um, go out to eat and go bowling. Oh, fun. Uh, sometimes they go to the park. Sometimes they go to a recreation center and play basketball. Um, I've really tried to encourage them to do as much like activity mm-hmm. where she can move around as possible. And she loves that. So if I was to come up with a, a plan to go even to Dollywood on a Tuesday, she'd say, sorry, mom, can't Seriously, go. Seriously, because I know she used to oh, love yeah. that. That I, I'm a little she shocked still by loves that. It. She still loves Dollywood, but she can't let it interfere with her Tuesday, Thursday program. Okay. And then we have a great thing on Wednesdays called Hope Academy here in Cookville. And it's for people who have special needs that graduated from high school and and need a place to go and have activities. So they meet at a Methodist church. They do um, various activities and crafts and they sing, they play bingo, they eat lunch together. Um, they do some field trips, and that's probably her favorite day of the week. Mm. She really, really enjoys that. Uh, so that really just leaves Friday that she doesn't really have anything mm-hmm. planned, so that gets to be my day. Yeah, there you go. I'm glad that she has reserved one day in her busy calendar <laughs> for you, Susan. So. Yeah. 
That's very nice. <laughs> well, Sandy, I know you mentioned a little bit about Miles and what he does. What Tell us a little bit about the program that he goes to now and how he interacts. Does he have community with other friends there? What does that look like for him? Well, first I want to say, Susan, that it sounds like Emily has such like a full and exciting life. That's actually, mm-hmm. I listen to that and I think that's the kind of life that we're trying to create for Miles. You know, where uh, the kind of thing where he would say if he if he had the opportunity, yeah, mom, I know you want to do this with me, but I got plans and I want to do this. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of what yeah. Terry and I, my husband and I are trying to create for him. And so the day program that he has now, the reason that we chose it was um, because when Miles uh, left the transition program at his high school, he was not yet able and still is not able today to go someplace to work independently. He would need, um, when he was in the program, he did some volunteer work at the library, which was wonderful. He worked at one of the food pantries here. He worked in the Board of Ed building doing filing and um, and that kind of thing, uh, data entry. So he has those skills, but he needs someone with him at all times to be able to do that. And um, it's just hard to set up when it's not under a school or an organizational um, program. And so we found this day program where we knew that he would have socialization with peers his age or a little bit older. Um, and we wanted them to continue with his vocational training, with his life skills training, so he could be more independent at home and at some point employable, even if he was just working here with me and Terry at home. Uh, and so he does that three days a week. Um, Now that he's there, um, the socialization part is real and that's important. And so we keep him there for that reason. But some of the other skills that we thought that he would be getting on a regular basis, um, they're not as intentional about it as Mm -hmm. I originally thought, as we originally thought. Uh, And so we recognize that we need to supplement that, that over time, when we find Mm -hmm. things for him to do, um, that maybe he'll be spending less time in the stay program. But what that means is that we actually have to go out and find the things to do. Um, he has a support coordinator, which replaced the case manager that he had in school. Um, but what the support coordinator does is kind of do his or her research and then send us options. And we still have to go and kind of, Um, explore the opportunities that they bring to us. And so it's just extremely time consuming, especially Mm -hmm. when you have other things to do, (laughs) you know? Um, And so we're thankful for it for now. This is not a complaint for sure. I'm grateful that he has a place to go three days a week. And if we wanted it to be five days, they would make space for him. So he has something to do from nine till three, uh, three days a week where we know that things are happening. Um, mm. You know, as an aside too, as a mom who's, I don't know, maybe kind of over-involved, one thing that I don't love so much is that what happens between nine and three, I don't know so much because mm. they don't report back like they mm-hmm. do when your kids are in school. Yeah. Um, and he can't tell that's me. Tough. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. one. Oh, and so I'll say, tough. so how was this yeah. day? Oh, it was great, which means nothing. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and a little bit more information, yes. please. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so just trying to figure out how to navigate that. Um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we hired a woman who comes in to work with Miles from 1130 to 230, two days a week. Um, but I put together the schedule for them. And so mm-hmm. for every single minute that she's here, I create a schedule and provide all the resources that are necessary for them to do things together, which again is a little bit time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a little bit older. Um, and so um, she's not as much fun just because of her age, I think as a peer would right. be. And so we yeah. are in the process of looking for someone who's younger and a male, mm-hmm. just like you were saying with John Alex, that you has, he has yes. a companion now who's closer to his mm-hmm. age. He's yeah. kind of cool mm-hmm. and fun. And so we are looking for that now. 
And Miles also does um, OT twice a week and speech twice a week after his program because they don't offer that in the program. In the program. Well, it sounds like both your kids are busy and involved, you know, have lots going on. You know, as you're talking, I'm looking at our situation and, you know, we're in a completely different situation in that, you know, there's really, because of John Alex's needs, you know, uh, he needs full on 24-7 care. And so uh, not as independent as your kids are. And so, you know, there's not really a program here for him to go to that would, that would really fit him. And so I am very, very grateful though, that we get funding, you know, to cover care for him. So, you know, when I'm working, he's got caregivers who are with him and we have an amazing team with him. Um, And like you said, Sandy, we just have a new friend who's come on and that has been an answer to prayer because we have a guy who's close to his age and, has just started. And I just, I'm so excited about that because he's not around guys, you know, because of our, you know, I'm, I'm a single parent, solo parent, and there's really, there's not many times for him to be around typical peers. And so I'm just excited about the, the possibility of this really opening up some new avenues for friendships for him mm-hmm. um, to be with other kids, his, you know, adults, his own age. And so, and just see what that looks like. And so, but you guys have really inspired me going, okay, we can, you know, like, you know, Susan, I'm thinking, okay, maybe when they go bowling, Jay and his caregivers could just meet, go at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, or when they're mm-hmm. doing other, th- you know, doing some different things that they can, even though they're in different programs, just meet up and do some things together. And so I think, I think we have to kind of, it's like you said, Sandy, we kind of have to create what, you know, it, whereas before when they were in school, school's kind of directing what's going to happen. But now that our kids are out of school, we are now directing, um, for the most part, what that's going to look like. And there's not uh, that many resources sometimes to come alongside and help. Now, I don't mind, I can't, you know, I kind of I like the fact that I know what's going on. Yeah. So I don't mind that so much. But, um, you know, it is, it is more us as parents directing, you know, the way that our kids' situation is set up. It's more us directing Mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, think back to when your kids were younger, they're maybe just starting school. And did you really give much thought at that point about what life would look like now? Or did you just kind of like, nope, not even going to go there? (laughs) What about you, Susan? I really felt like I couldn't look forward. I had to kind of do day to day, month to month. It seemed to work out better that way as far as my my mental status was concerned. But I also was blessed to meet a woman who had a daughter. When Emily was born, her daughter was 17. And she has been so good to help me just sort of see little by little. Uh, She started coming to our house while I was still pregnant with Emily uh, because we got a prenatal um, diagnosis. She started coming over three weeks, I think it was, before Emily was born. And after Emily was born, she came over maybe a week into it um, and brought her daughter with her. Mm. And our three-year-old son ran up to the daughter and said, come to my bedroom and read to me. And my heart just sunk because in my mind, I was thinking, oh, honey, she can't read. And she said, sure. And I listened as she went in the bedroom and read one book after another oh to my goodness. son. And that gave me so much hope. Mm-hmm. And, and from that point on, I just kind of felt like this is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I just can't think too far yeah. into the future. Um, yeah. Well, Sandy, could you, I mean, like when you think about it, could you even imagine back way back then what your life would look like now? <laughs> Um, no. And like Susan, I actually didn't think much about it when Miles was young because when his, he was younger, his needs were so significant. You know, he had to learn how to walk again. He had to learn how to feed himself again. There were so many things that we had to be focused on that seemed more urgent um, and things that people told us that he wouldn't be able to do. And so when he developed back the skills that he'd lost when he got sick, Uh, I mean, it was miraculous. And so that's how I felt. God, this is so miraculous. And it's going to be miraculous from this point forward is kind of what I was thinking. (laughs) 
right. miraculous like that. And we, right. Yeah. <laughs> From this point. Yeah. We laugh now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and even when he got a little bit older, I think when he was like 12 years old, his case manager said, it's time for us to start um, transitioning him for adulthood. And I thought, oh my goodness, you must be kidding. He's 12 years old. Right. There's so many things right. that he has to learn before he becomes an adult because I didn't recognize um, how long it would take for him to develop the skills necessary to transition to adulthood. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any experience with that. I didn't, you know, I, there were not other uh, people in my life who had children with a diagnosis like Miles's. And so I had no clue about how long it would take for him uh, to develop those skills that were necessary. So I pushed back a little bit. I was like, wait, let's give mm-hmm. him more time to, to work on the things that he's doing. There's pl- He's 12. Why are we trying to make a 12-year-old into an mm-hmm. adult? Um, I had no idea. And even yeah. when he transitioned, I had no idea the level of responsibility it would be for us. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess I was just kind of like, almost close (laughs) every step of the way, uh, you know? Well, you know, I I was thinking back as you're talking about that, you know, when our kids turned 18, I don't know about you, but we went and got conservatorship, Mm -hmm. you know, for John Alex. And I I, I know, Susan, I believe you all went through that process, Sandy, you too. Mm -hmm. And I'm just remembering that day, you know, I remember them talking about, you know, in school, they kind of bring that up. Okay, when they turn 18, you will have to, you know, basically deem them incompetent. And I remember as a mom, just how that broke my heart to even think about that. And I remember standing in the courtroom with Jeff and, uh, you know, my dear friend Dawn Fry was our attorney and we knew the judge, which made it nice. You know, it made it much easier because he knew our family. And so, there were so many parts of that that were so hard, but then sitting there and thinking about like, we're making a commitment to our child in front of a judge saying, I'm about to cry thinking about this, but you know Mm -hmm. what? We are committing that even though you're turning an adult and even though in the, you know, in the the normal world, quote unquote, um, you would be going off to college and doing all these other things. We chose to look at it as like, no, we are standing before this judge. We are standing before God and saying, we are choosing to continue to be your biggest cheerleaders, your biggest caregiver, you know, all of those things. And so, you know, even in that moment in that in that courtroom was so hard. It was also kind of like a, a sweet um, commitment again to our son of our deep love for him. What was your experience like when you had to go and go through that process? I think, you know, when, when our kids are younger, they, they talk about that, but it seems so far off. And then you actually are there in that moment. What was your experience? Sandy, what was that like for you guys? Um, you know, <clears throat> we were glad for the opportunity to be able to continue to be kind of his overseers. Um, yes. Uh, and so I, I guess I didn't, I was more concerned when we stood before the judge that he would find some reason why we shouldn't be guardians over mm-hmm. his, not just yeah. his life, but all his finances, property, everything. And I just wanted to mm-hmm. make sure that we would be able to continue to advocate for him, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, now fast forward, I don't know, what has it been like six years? Um, I'm grateful for it because um, as you know, Becky Miles has a lot of medical needs. Yes. Um, and yes. um, the fact that we are his guardians has given me the opportunity to continue to advocate for him for his medical needs, and not just to make sure um, that they're that the right procedures are being done, but just to still advocate for his personhood. Like this is not a disability that you're about to operate on. This is my son who has feelings mm-hmm. and who has emotional needs that I need you yes. to speak to. And so I love that the commitment to be his guardian has given us the opportunity to still kind of stand, to, to, to stand up for him as a person, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. to be able to make people see him mm-hmm. to the extent mm-hmm. that we can. And we wouldn't yeah. have that opportunity otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. And so I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, what I will say too, uh, though, is you, you mentioned that you have a budget for John Alex. We too got a budget for Miles mm-hmm. and the budget was based on his needs. And that's the place that kind of pricks my heart because in order to maximize his budget, we had to make him seem as incompetent as possible. Yes. Um, yeah. A friend of mine told me, Sandy, don't, this is not a place for hope. This is not a place for mm-hmm. faith. This is a place where if you left Miles on a desert island by himself, what can he do? Mm-hmm. And that's just such a hard kind of uh, reality to, to deal mm-hmm. with, especially when you've been working with your child for years to help them to become more independent. And so that's the part um, that hurt me the most when I had to fill out that paperwork. I kept telling myself, mm-hmm. this is for his good. The more money he gets, yes. the better. This is for his mm-hmm. good. You don't believe mm-hmm. you have hope, Sandy. You just can't put it on the paper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It takes me back to those days, you know, when we would in school, when they would do the testing mm-hmm. and they would come in and just you'd walk away hearing all the things he couldn't do. And it's like, no, but don't you see, look at that. He wakes up every day with a smile on his face and he never complains. Don't you, you know, to, he, he's got more life skills right. and quality, you know, than, than anything would show in a paper. But, you know, those moments of just having to just go, okay, this is the reality, but this is going to help my son. Yep. And this is going to be, yeah. Well, Susan, what was your experience like when you guys got conservatorship for Emily? We had been encouraged when Emily was much younger to whatever we did, do not get conservatorship. Really? And I was, it was from a friend who had um, an older daughter with Down syndrome, and she said, you'll be taking away all of her rights. She just painted this, this really negative picture. And so that's kind of what was in my mind through the years. The older Emily got and the more I knew what she was capable of, it, it just it became very clear to me that it was, it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in her best interest and, and we were willing to do it and we, we wanted the best for her. So I don't know if you remember, but Rising Above had a, um, like a weekend mm-hmm. conference and there was an attorney there that talked to us about it. And after I heard what he had to say, I knew that it was the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Um, the attorney that we worked with made everything so much easier. Um, and we're very glad that we did it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean that her rights have been taken away. One of the things my friend said was she won't be able to vote. And I said, Emily has no desire mm-hmm. to vote. She has no interest in any of that. That's not a significant mm-hmm. thing for us. Um, and who knows her better than we do, right. who is better able to make appropriate decisions for her than us. So yeah, it, it rarely went very smoothly. That's so good. And, you know, it's just, it's a way for, you know, for us to protect our kids. Okay. You know, if they have to go to the hospital or they need to go to the doctor, we have yes. to have that mm-hmm. in order to advocate for our kids. Mm-hmm. And so yes. it's one of those hard things we have to do. But in, in the end, it's again beneficial for our kids and so important. You know, you know, so often when our kids are little, they're so cute and everybody will go, oh, look how cute. And they're so sweet. And, you know, as they get older, they kind of outgrow that cute stage. And so sometimes people react to our children who are now adults differently than the reactions we got when they were little. So is that something you've experienced um, have you seen that, Sandy? I see you nodding your head. Yes. So that, tell us about that in your journey. So look, I still think he's so cute. And so sometimes I'm well, surprised that people absolutely. don't react to see, respond to Don't see way. how cute he is. That's right. Um, how dare I, they? But you know what? Cute gets you a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, right? Right. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. like we're kind of going through this situation with therapies and therapists for miles and wanting, you know, as he's an adult now, I see him as the same kid in my mind who has needs that can be helped therapeutically. And why wouldn't someone want to help him, you know, Mm. Um, because they see the need. And that went a long way when he was younger because he was so cute and so endearing and so sweet that the therapists loved him and they wanted to work with him. They wanted to do it. Now, as he's older, um, 
you know, my, my uh, support coordinator told me this and I was so bothered by it uh, that because Miles's diagnosis, part of it is for cognitive disabilities in New Jersey, at least the mindset of the DDD and department of human services is that when <clears throat> adults who have intellectual cognitive disabilities reach the age of like 21 to 25, they are no longer able to learn and grow. And so that's the, (laughs) okay. Yeah. That's the mindset, which is why in some of these day programs, they do not offer opportunities for growth. They offer opportunities for socialization and Mm. um, almost babysitting, but not growth. And so the one that we found, we're like, wow, they're, they're for growth also. Um, but, but what I found, um, with miles, uh, for therapies and things is that, um, because it takes him a little bit longer to pick up skills that oftentimes the therapists are just like, you know, it's just taken a long time. And, you know, we don't want to have to do that every time that he comes here. And so the cute has worn off. What they Mm -hmm. see is a young man who they see as limited, because they haven't seen his journey. They haven't seen where he's Mm -hmm. come from. Um, And so they treat him as such. And so I see that. Um, Also for me, because Miles is a young black man, kind of in our country the way it is now, I found that when he got older, I had to tell the the aides that would be with him out Mm -hmm. in the community this is a young black man. So make sure mm-hmm. Miles is, is, is kind of touchy. He likes to touch people. Make sure yeah. you're not letting him touch people because you don't mm-hmm. know. They don't see the cute little boy. They don't see that. They right. see this young right. adult black man putting his hands mm-hmm. on them. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm constantly mindful of that, yeah. that what what I think is affection and endearing Mm -hmm. other people might see as a threat. Um, And to be thinking about that constantly when he's out in the community with people Mm -hmm. who don't have the same experience. I'm just like, that's not offensive to me that you guys think he's a black man. And so you need to be cautious, be cautious, please. And so, yeah. You know, things that, that a lot of people don't even consider Sandy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so, so true. You know, when we were out with John Alex, he's in his chair. He's, you know, he's not going to be going up to people. And, you know, that's just, that's not our part of our journey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think a lot of times I say this over and over again, we get more grace a lot of times than a lot of our families do because it is so visible, you know, visibly obvious that, that John Alex has disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people are a little bit more grace filled for us. And so I'm sure that that has got to be as a, as a mom thinking about him being out in the community on his own. You're not there. Mm-hmm. That those are things that constantly run through your mind. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Susan, what about you? One of the things I thought about is that, you know, when, when our kids with special needs are young, one of the things that is kind of heartbreaking for parents is when people stare at them. Mm. Um. And back in those days, I would think, you know, she she is different. Sometimes maybe they're staring because they have a family member who has Down syndrome and they're seeing that that similarity. And I tried to just, you know, make myself feel better because of all that. And I don't know, I haven't worried about that or thought much about that for years. And just recently, I feel like people are beginning to stare at her a little bit more. Mm. And that was something I felt like we'd sort of come through. But she has some some unusual tics. She sometimes will take her fingers and sort of flutter them. It makes me think of um, Oliver Hardy, maybe. You know, the little kind of things that you do do with your fingers. And sometimes she will put her head straight up in the air and brush her hair back real fast. And when she does those things in public, I think that's kind of what's getting her some, some second looks. Mm-hmm. And it's not any easier than it was when she was mm-hmm. a, a little girl. Yeah. Um, and that was the first thing I thought of when you said, you know, the cute has worn mm-hmm. off. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard. We don't ever want to feel like our children or our, our families are being judged. It's just like, just see us, yes. you know, just see us for who yes. we are. And so I know that's got to be hard for you, Susan, when you, when you feel like, and you know, we get that too. Mm-hmm. People, John Alex mm-hmm. will be, will be going down the road and he loves to rock. 
you know, he'll, he'll, it's like in a rocking chair and he will be going at it. It seems like he always likes to do it when, when we're in the drive through, like at the bank, mm-hmm. like he'll be, he'll be, you know, still as could be and we'll get right there to the, you know, to the teller at the bank. And he decides that's when he wants to just start rocking like crazy. And, <laughs> you know, people stare and that's okay. I mean, they're curious. It's like, why is this grown man rocking like that? You know, it is in the car, but that's just part of what he does. And so I think, you know, it's interesting for you to say it's not any easier now than it was in those early years. You know, our mama's hearts, it just, ah, it's just like we want people to see our kids for who they are. And so now I'm not going to say ages, of of our ages, you know, because we don't talk those things, you know, but, you know, and the thing that happens that, that we sometimes forget is that, you know, as our kids get older, well, we do too. And so, you know, their needs don't change that, you know, they're still, my son still needs to be, you know, I still have to lift and still have to do all those things, but I've gotten, as he's 25 now, I'm 25 years older than I was when he was born. And so, when you look at your life now, you know, we're going to be in this for the long haul. You know, our my son's 25, Sandy, 24 mm-hmm. for your son. Mm-hmm. Emily's about to turn, what, 33? And so, 32. 32. And so, you know, there, we've got, we've got many, many more years ahead of us caring for our children. So when you think about that, looking ahead at the long haul for this, what are some of the things that come to mind? And like, are there things you're you're currently putting in place for you personally to help you as we navigate through this next, you know, these next few years with our kids? Sandy, what about you? You know, I have a mom in my community group who just said recently, she just started a walking program. And she says, I realize I'm in this for the long haul. And so I'm living my life for longevity. And so she's planning for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Terry and I, similarly, we, I mean, first of all, I pray constantly, Lord, keep me healthy because um, mm-hmm. I want to be healthy, but keep me healthy to take care of Miles. Let me never be mm-hmm. unable to do so because of some kind of health challenge. Um, and Terry and I recently have agreed together that we, so we, you know, we've worked out for, for a very long time, even before we had children. Um, that's one of the things that we did together, one of the things that we connected over. Um, but now that we're older and our bodies feel older, <laughs> we mm-hmm. have agreed and have been asking the Lord to help us to create um, exercise and fitness and a health regimen that will enable us to be as fit and as healthy as someone half our age. Whatever age we mm. are, help us, Lord, to be as fit as someone half our age because we're doing the work of someone who is mm-hmm. half our age. And so, Lord, help us to have the will and the motivation to do our part. But the part that yes. we can't do, could you please fill the gaps? Yes. Um, so and good. so, you know, we're trying to eat healthier. I I bought this book that I'm telling everybody about. It's called The Glucose Revolution to talk to you about how to have food hacks to have a healthier diet with less sugar in it just because sugar messes up so many things, inflammation and kind of all the things. And so I've changed my eating habits um, uh, with that. Terry has changed his eating habits. He um, got a functional doctor um, to help him to figure out different things that were going on inside his body so he could deal with them naturally. Um, Mm -hmm. we're trying to, like I said, exercise five days a week. I'm in physical therapy now for an injury, but it has turned now into like a personal trainer to kind of, kind of keep me in fighting Mm -hmm. shape. And so, um, trying to do those things. Also, as I mentioned before, we're looking for someone, a caregiver for miles who is younger, considerably younger than us. The one that we have now is older than us, which means she comes with a lot of wisdom, um, and experience, but not a whole lot of energy, you know? And so we need, we were hoping to find someone or some ones who are younger, who will be with us for the long haul. And so 
I don't know what else yeah. we can do. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Yeah. I, you know? Yeah, I hear you. That's, I mean, that's so inspiring. And, you know, I've, I've started some of those things myself, just like, okay, Becky, you've got to, you know, you are his only parent and you've got to, you know, do things to take care of yourself. And, you know, for me, a lot of that, I'm doing physical things, but it's also the soul care. Mm-hmm. It's also taking care of, you know, making sure I'm being still and quiet and, and taking care of my emotional needs. And there's so many pieces of that, um, you know, that, that go into play. And so, you know, Susan, when you think about the long haul, about caring for Emily for the long haul, what comes to mind to you? I have been sort of overly confident that my health has been good for so many years. Despite being overweight, my health has been very good. Um, I have had uh, two knee replacements, but I'm still up and up and going and doing, I think, very well. But I know that it won't always be mm-hmm. like that. And I need to I need to do more toward getting um, getting a better physical condition. I just recently had a back injury and I'm going through some physical therapy for that. And that was kind of eye opening for me. Uh, I thought, you know what, if we come to a point where Emily physically has to mm-hmm. be lifted, um I'm going to have to really buckle down Mm -hmm. and and do more toward getting myself in good physical condition um, so that I can be able to be the provider for her and and to give her the kind of care she needs. Well, I know, you know, we, there's so many things that like keep us up at night, questions, the future, you know, and I think the biggie for special needs parents, wherever they are on this journey um, is who will care for my child if something happens to me? What is that going to look like? Um, that's just like the, just one of those things that is so concerning for so many of us. And so have you put things in place? Do you already have a plan? I know, Susan, we've talked about you, you've, you've got a plan in place for Emily. Um, and share a little bit about that for her. We actually just recently, within the last year, put this plan in place. God has blessed us with with health and life up until this point because we didn't do it earlier, uh, as we probably should have. But I'm so I feel such a huge burden burden lifted from me now that we have gone through that. Um, one of our sons made the comment to me that his life for his lifetime, he has always thought that he would be Emily's caregiver when something happened to us. And that was such a huge relief because I, I felt like I wasn't having to ask him to do it. He was just, and he said he and his wife want to be her caregiver. So that's a huge, yes. uh, a huge relief to us. Um, and so we came up also with a financial plan and that's all included in our will. And that just, it, it has taken a lot mm. of, of things that I used to think about at night it's taken those things away. That planning has taken some of that stress away. Absolutely. What about for you guys, Sandy? And so <clears throat> we put together the, a special needs trust so that kind of financially he would be taken care of. Um, my oldest daughter um, told us, told me that because she was the oldest, she always assumed that she would be the one to care for Miles. And and I want to I want to be clear that she didn't say. I want to, she said, she assumed that she would be the one to do it. Right. Um, and so as Terry and I talk about it, we, we want Miles to be able to live in his own home with a caregiver, mm-hmm. um, but close by his sisters, wherever they end up. And we have no idea. That's the hard part. We have no idea where mm-hmm. they're going to live. Neither of them right. is married. And so for either of them to be kind of the primary caregiver, their spouse would have to be on board with that. And and mm-hmm. there are no spouses or anything in the picture. And so we, I mean, I guess I pray about everything. Um, <laughs> I mentioned to you, Becky. As you should. <laughs> I mentioned that the Lord told Terry and me separately that we needed, that he had a plan for Miles and that he wanted us to be more intentional about seeking him this season for the plan that he has for him. And so we have uh, the hope and the belief that God has a plan for Miles that that goes beyond Terry and me being here. 
The uncomfortable part of it, though, is that we don't know today what that plan looks like. And so we're just Mm -hmm. asking him to lead us in our decision making so that we have everything Mm -hmm. set up for him for when that time comes. You know, there's also like a waiting list here in New Jersey for housing for people with disabilities. And so we put our names on the waiting list, not knowing when um, Miles's, Miles's name would come up. But we did that because, you know, the woman that cares for Miles is also a support coordinator. And a number of her clients have parents much older, like in their 90s, 80s and 90s, who put nothing in place for their adult children um, mm-hmm. uh, for when these parents pass away. And so she impressed upon me, you need to have something in place in the event things don't go the way you planned and something happens right. to you guys prematurely, where will he go? Um, mm-hmm. And so we put his name on that wait list. Um, yeah. It's uncomfortable, though. The thought of mm-hmm. the yeah. thought of him being in this world without us is an uncomfortable it's, feeling. It's, yeah, it, I, it, is. It, it is. Yeah, it is. A, it is an un, <laughs> uncomfortable. Is I may choose some different words yes. there, but but <laughs> but you know. And then in my situation, you know, solo parent. Mm-hmm. I'm all you know. I'm the only parent that's left, and I remember right after um, Jeff died. I mean, I'm just in the throes of grief, and just the thought of oh my word, what if something happens to me? What's going to happen? I mean, I'm just losing it. And I, and I call my sister, Susan, and she's like, Becky, I've got him. Mm. Don't even, we've got it. Don't even, if something were to happen, we're going, we will take, don't like it's, it would be our joy Mm. to take care of him. And so, you know, she's getting older as well. And so, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to navigate, but she will be the one who will make, if something happens to me, she will make the decision about what, happens with John Alex. And, you know, it's been so beautiful. God has been so good because over the years, I've had so many friends who've come up to me. They've been like, Becky, we would so take John Alex. You don't even need to worry about it. And just, I think, I think God has already just wanted to take that worry out of my mind to go, I've got this. Mm-hmm. I've got this. And I think we have to get in that posture of regardless of what happens, you know, we can make all these plans for the future for our kids. We can say we can have all the special needs trust, all the things, you know, in place. But ultimately, we have to just say, God, you work out what's best for our kids. And that's where Sandy, to your point, praying a lot mm-hmm. comes into play there. And so, you know, as, as we close out, though, you know, I would love for us to speak to those young parents who are maybe looking at the thought, you know, looking ahead, or maybe those parents who are, who their child's are, child is getting close to aging out of the school system, and they're really worried. They're really concerned. They're like, what are we going to do? They're almost kind of dreading that season. Mm-hmm. What would you want to say to those parents? How, you know, like, what are some of the most joyful things? What are some of the good things that are part of your life now because we're in this new transition, this new season with our kids? You know, for me, it's a reminder that God has been faithful because Mm -hmm. I think of all the things Mm -hmm. that were said about Miles as he was growing up, what he wouldn't do and all those things. And I see how he has exceeded those expectations and the fact that now he's living an adult life and he's happy and he's healthy to me is a testament to the faithfulness of God. And Mm -hmm. so that lets me know that if because God has been faithful through what I think were some of the harder times in his life, kind of health-wise and with disability and such, why would I expect that he wouldn't be just as faithful for the rest of his Mm -hmm. life? And so what I would tell young parents is what I say so much, God has a plan for your child. Scripture says Mm -hmm. so. The minute that that child was born, God had a plan for him and her. And I would press into the Lord to seek the plan and the wisdom for what for what every parent should do to help to walk that plan out because God, mm. you know, he gives wisdom. Um, and so I would definitely say that. I would say the future is coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reality. Plan yeah. for it. The future is coming, yes. you know. Yeah. Um, 
as comfortable as it might feel temporarily to try to stick our heads in the sand and say, no, I can't think about the future. The future is coming, whether you Mm -hmm. plan for it or not. Plan. Right. Um, Right. um, And then for the, the, the parents of older kids who are about to transition to adulthood, you know, um, every child transitions, whether they have special needs or not. Every mm-hmm. child transitions. It's hard when they have special needs or not. The transition from my daughters from high school to college and stuff was not an mm-hmm. easy one for me. It was a normal one. It's normal for us too. For mm-hmm. our kiddos, this is normal. This is a sign mm-hmm. of growth. Yay, this is a sign of growth. Mm-hmm. And we just plan for it, you know, Um And again, God has a plan. And in his plan, there is provision for everything our kids need. And his plan, he's going to provide. So good. Susan? I don't know that I could say anything any better than that. I keep thinking about how very much God loves Emily Mm. and how he has taken such good care of her through everything we've been through throughout her life. And I know that won't change. Uh, I trust that. And I... I just think that um, it, it's something that we can have confidence mm-hmm. in. And like you said, just press into God. Oh, so beautiful and so true. And, you know, I would say the same thing about our situation and our story. You know, God has been faithful, even when things have been hard, even when things have been so challenging in our story. He has been faithful. And, you know, He promises He'll never leave us or forsake us. And that goes right. for our kids, too. You know, even if we're not here, I mean, he's the best provider and best father they could ever have. And so relinquishing them to his care is the safest and Mm -hmm. best place that they can be at any point in time. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, friends, what a beautiful conversation. You all are such an encouragement to me. And I just value you and your friendship. And I'm just so grateful that God brought you into my life. And so thank you for sharing your wisdom today. And I just, I love you guys so much. Thank you so much. I love you too, Becky. Mm-hmm. Thanks for having us. So good to meet you, Sandy. You as well. Look, I'm encouraged. So you're, you're, you're steps ahead of me. And so I love hearing about the fullness of her life because that's what we want for our kids. However, God defines that, right? Right. Fullness of life. That's what we want for them. Yes. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Rising Above with Becky Davidson created and produced by Rising Above Ministries. To learn more about us and our resources for special needs families, visit risingaboveministries.org or download our free app. If you've enjoyed listening and want to hear more, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. You can always share it to encourage a friend. And remember, joy can be found in every story.